Well, Victory Midtown, are y'all excited to be in church on the last Sunday that we will gather together this year? Somebody's like, it's not the last Sunday. Yes, it's the last Sunday we're going to gather together. We want to make sure we first start off by saying good morning and thank you, even those who are watching and worshiping online. Can you give them a hand clap of praise as we even welcome everyone online in this service with us? Well, listen, as Sarah mentioned, uh, next week, don't show up here because you'll be here by yourself. But we want to make sure that you really take advantage of all the great things that are happening this week. Number one, before we even get to Sunday, as she mentioned, you don't want to miss that production. Uh, as you saw, I was a part of that production. And we really believe that during this season that God is going to speak to so many different types of people in a different and unique way. And anytime we have an opportunity to approach things in a fresh way, we just really look for God to show up. And so we just want, don't want you to miss it. While everyone outside is getting it, we want to make sure that you really log into that, get it, gather your family around, and I know that it's going to be a blessing. And then on Sunday, somebody say Sunday. Sunday. Don't just act like you're not going to church. Get your time together. Get your family together. I really want to implore you to, to really join with us in worshiping online on next Sunday, because if you don't, there will be some great things talked about. We'll be celebrating the end of the year, and I'm going to tell you, if you miss it, you're going to come into the new year a little bit lost. So I want to just encourage you, go ahead and watch that, participate in it, and I guarantee you it's going to bless you. So before I jump into the message, I want to do something. I want to just brag on you for a minute. Number one, I want to let you know that through two weeks, this is going to be our third week in giving of Christmas gifts to the world. Through two weeks, us as an entire church body, we have given over $345,000. Come on, you can clap better than that. $345,000 for Christmas gift to the world. And what we say every year, we want to make sure that we end the year strong, giving our best gift to Jesus. And I'm just crazy enough to believe in here in the room and those who are watching online that we can actually break $400,000 this week. Can I get one amen? Somebody said, I don't know, I already gave. Well, listen, we just know that we are blessed to be a blessing, and as God continues to bless us, we are able to outreach and serve those other people that need it. And I want to continue to brag real quick before I jump into the message. You, as a congregation, some of the leaders, you heard this on our leadership meeting a couple weeks ago, but we shared with you that we have our very own member here. She's a, pr a principal of SLAM Academy. You, as a church, we partnered to serve and to bless over 50 children with Christmas gifts that wouldn't have received them this year. You did that. So you can put your hands together for yourself. And then lastly, I want to let you know, I know you're like, I'm tired of clapping. No, but I want you to know how generous and how good God is. We were also able to partner with the Outlet Community Church, and we were able to get with them and bless 120 children for Christmas. Those who were underserved, underprivileged, we wanted to make sure that they felt the love of Jesus even through presence. How many of you guys know before a child actually hears the story of Jesus, sometimes you have to kind of open the door? And so that's what we did this week. So one more time, give yourselves a round of applause for being a blessing to the community. Now, as we're talking about this, all this giving and Advent season, we are in week four, our final week of our Advent series. And over the last several weeks, what we've been doing is we've been really focusing on what many would call the Christmas countdown, the Christmas countdown. And we've been talking about the, the waiting and the coming of Jesus. And over the last several weeks, you see these candles, they're lit. And we start off, started off by saying this particular first candle was the candle of hope, the candle of hope. 
We called it the prophet candles, or it's called the prophet's candle. The second week, I ministered on faith, and this particular candle represents the Bethlehem candle. And it represents Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem as they were really bringing Jesus into the world, and Mary had Jesus coming in as our Savior. And then last week, we really were blessed by Pastor Dennis, our founding pastor. He gave us an incredible message on joy. How many people appreciated that message on joy? He gave us a great message on joy, and this is called the shepherd's candle. The shepherd's candle. Now today, we will continue and we will conclude this series, and I'm going to light what is called the angel's candle. The angel's candle. Now this particular candle is very important. And it's important because it represents something that I believe has been under attack in this year of 2020. This candle represents peace. Peace. I don't know about you, but if I were to take a poll, I could imagine that I would see that some people in here, your peace has been really challenged this year. I believe the enemy has really tried to take our peace and take our joy. And I declare that as we even go through this service today, that this won't just be a time where we light a few candles and we hear a little sermon, but we actually take it in and say, no, I want my peace back. Can, yeah, we, got it. We, can, we can witness in here. We can clap it up. The reason I'm saying that is because of all of the over 330 messianic promises in the Bible. This particular promise right here really sets the tone for Christmas. It really sets the tone for what we need to really operate in as we are those who walk in the way of Christendom. And what I believe is even as we were in corporate prayer this morning, something happened a little bit different because what we said is that we are going to make sure we take authority over our peace. We're going to make sure that we don't just sit back and just allow the devil to kind of run back and forth and just take advantage of us. As a matter of fact, as I was standing over there, I just kind of sensed in the room that even as we are worshiping, even as we're lifting our hands, even as we go into this last Sunday that we're gathering together of the year, that some of us are like, okay, I heard that before. Okay, yeah, I know you said things were going to get better, but I heard that before and something still happened. I know they say lift your hands and celebrate and surrender to God, but I'm not necessarily feeling that. I've heard this sermon before. I've heard that song before. But what I believe is even as I was preparing this message, that the Lord really just ministered to me. He said, Mo, this is going to be a service where there's going to be a strong, angelic, and prophetic assistance in the room. Now, what that means for those who don't understand Christianese, all that means is that this won't just be a message. This will be life given to you. But you have to participate in it. You have to do what? You have to lean into it. You have to grab it. And as we speak into this message today, I really want you to open your hearts and say, Lord, I give you my heart. That's not just a song that we sung, but I really want to give you my heart so that you can speak to me. So the first scripture that I want to read, it really sets the tone today of this prophetic promise about Jesus coming into the earth. So if you're following us, if, if you're new here, what we do is we have our, our message notes on YouVersion. You can actually go to YouVersion Bible app, click more than events, and go to Victory Midtown, and you can follow the notes because this is something that you don't want to just hear here in the sanctuary, but you want to carry this with you everywhere you go. If you're watching online, it will be right there on the screen with you, and you can follow us along as well. So the first scripture I'm going to read is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And the Bible says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Here's the key, Prince of Peace. Can you say that with me? Prince of Peace. Now, this is a big deal. This scripture is a big deal. This word is a big deal. And I don't want us to miss it by just going through the motions today. Now, while I know this week is going to be filled with a lot of fanfare, it's going to be filled with exchanging gifts, even as Sarah said, sometime this week you might get into a little food coma. You're going to have your greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, you name it, whatever you need. Somebody said, no, I'm going to have some yams. I'm having a fried turkey. We're having a fried turkey in our home. But whatever you need to do, make sure you enjoy it, but let's not really miss the real backdrop for the reason for the season. So what I want to do is I want to skip about 700 years from that prophetic promise in Isaiah all the way to Luke to really set the tone for what Christmas is really about. Now, this is a little bit of a longer scripture, but I want you to really stay with me. I want you to really lean in. I want you to hear this. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Can I pause right there and just get you to say that with me? I will not be afraid. afraid. Come on, touch yourself and say, I will not be afraid. As a matter of fact, as I was writing this down, the Lord just gave me a holy pause. And he said, just have them to lift their hands right now, because some people think that they're subject to the world. But I want them to lift their hands right now and declare it strongly. I will not be afraid. And I will not walk in fear. Come on, I told you this was a prophetic service. I will not be afraid. And I will not walk in fear. With those hands lifted, what I'm here to declare to you is that you will have good news on the way to you. Come on, y'all kind of said that just like, all right. On this side of the room, what I'm here to declare to you, this is not Mo talking. This is the Lord giving you a prophetic declaration that good news is on the way for you. I'm going to try this side one more time because I don't think y'all really got it. Somebody say in the room, I won't be afraid. I I have the victory. victory. And good news is coming my way. Put your hands together and thank God if you believe that. Here it is. The scripture says, the angel says, I bring you what? Good news. Good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I got to take one more praise break right here and let you know that favor rests upon you. Y'all going to get it in a minute. On this side of the room, favor rests upon you. Online, I want you to get with me since they're kind of a little quiet in the room. Favor rests upon you. You need to put that in the chat. It goes on to say, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. That's a long scripture, 
not just to kind of give us a biblical stance, not just to kind of introduce us to this story, but what I really believe that God is doing through this particular passage is he's introducing how he can bring peace into the midst of chaos. He's introducing how he can bring peace into, in the midst of your stress. He's really showing us how at the sound of the name of Jesus, he's actually bringing peace in the midst of even what looks like uncertainty in your life. And as we look at this, here it is. This is just a snapshot of what's going on, and sometimes we kind of rush through this, but I want to give you a little background on what was happening right here. In this particular story, what was happening is Mary, a teenage, pregnant, unmarried young lady, was pregnant with God. She was pregnant with God and that she had to take a trip with her fiancé, Joseph, and they actually had to go down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, there were no planes then. There were no Uber. There was no Lyft. So they had to take about a 100-mile journey to Bethlehem. Now, if you've ever been pregnant in here before, would you want to get on a donkey for 100 miles? So already there's a little unrest right there. Because her, her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, he was from Bethlehem. He thought they could just kind of show up and they would stay with their parents, but he kind of counted it all wrong. They didn't have Priceline.com back then. So he couldn't make a reservation. He got there, and then they had to end up staying in a barn. They went into that barn full of animals, full of mess. It was stinking. There was hay all around. There was some other stuff on the ground. And they still had to go in there and actually see Jesus brought into the earth. I think that's a prophetic word even for some of us that don't understand that even with the mess, with the stinky things, with the things that you thought were out of place, Jesus still says, I'm coming in the midst of yours. Now let's bring this to our modern contemporary day. Even after she had Jesus, a lot of accounts would say he had to rest in a feeding trough. So the Son of God, Jesus Christ, had to rest where slop was. If that wasn't enough, now they have some uninvited guests coming and knocking on the barn door saying, hey, we're here because an angel sent us. Now, as I look around this room, I'm looking at some of you ladies' eyes. You, would, you know, if you had somebody knocking on your door, you wouldn't act like you, you, I don't think you even answer the door. You wouldn't even answer the door. You would act like you weren't there. And then if that wasn't enough, what happened after that is that King Herod, he got a little insecure. And he heard that a new king was born. And he sent out an a, a, a edict saying, okay, I'm going to now kill every baby in Bethlehem. To me, as I look over this story, that doesn't look like peaceful times for me. To me, as I look, like, look at this, it really reminds me of even how 2020 has been for a lot of us. I remember sitting back here months ago, back in March, when like, it seemed like the first of many snowballs started to happen. People started looking at their phone and Kobe Bryant died. And after that, it seemed like every couple of weeks something was happening. Every couple of weeks, you were getting news that something didn't go right. And what we need to understand is that even when it looks like there's uncertainty, even when it looks like there's not a lot of peace, God is saying, I gave you a promise of peace to come in the midst of your uncertainty. So as we're looking at this, here it is. Even though we might be in unrest, and even as we go through this week, you're going to be unwrapping gifts, you're going to be trading things, you're going to be spending time with family. But what I want to make sure we don't do is that we skip over the greatest gift that Jesus left for us, and that's the gift of peace. We need to make sure we unwrap the gift of peace this week. So here it is. I want by a show of hands. How many would be honest and say, this year hasn't been that peaceful for me? 
How many will raise your hand and say, things didn't quite go as I thought they were going to go? People were declaring, 2020 is my year of clear vision, and it looks a lot cloudy right now. Wherever you find yourself, this is what I want you to know. You might not be carrying the Son of God in your belly, but maybe you're going to therapy trying to get over some things, and things are not kind of lining up like you thought they would. Maybe you're going through a custody battle, and that's not necessarily going like you thought it would. Maybe you're, you're in a marriage and you're trying to figure this thing out and things started off real good, but now they're taking a turn and God is saying, hey, still fear not for I am with you. I'm here to declare that we will not leave this year and then enter into next year with our peace stolen. But we will walk into this year taking hold of the peace that God has for us. But here's a reality that I really want to give us because this is a distinction that we have to make. What I believe happens a lot of times is that people actually mix up peace with escape or relief. So many times people take peace and they think, okay, I have peace because I'm going to smoke it into my life. I'm going to drink it into my life. I'm going to be a serial dater and have peace come into my life. I'm going to go from job to job and try to get peace in my life. But God is saying none of those things will give you peace. You have to lean into my peace. So what exactly is this peace? Let's just kind of give you a definition of it. This peace that we're talking about in Hebrew is called shalom. It's called shalom. Other words for this peace is completeness, soundness, welfare, safety, health, tranquility, contentment, peace in our human relationships, and peace with God in covenant relationships. So as we take all these things in, write this down, the root meaning of peace is to be whole. What used to be in lack when you walk in peace is now bringing you into wholeness. So let's look at what Jesus says about this gift of peace. Turn to your Bible, turn on your device to John chapter 14, verse 27. Now, as we read this scripture, I want you to hear this with a different ear. Even as I was reading this, I don't believe Jesus was kind of sitting back passive giving this, this word. I really believe Jesus is saying this with strength. I believe he was standing up. He put his shoulders up when he gave us this word. He said it like this. He said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. What he's saying is like, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen, but I still need you to bow up and be courageous. I need you to put your shoulders back and, and put your head back and say, I will be courageous. In John chapter 16, if you keep going, I believe Jesus is coaching us right here. My wife often says to me, Mo, when you preach, you're like a coach. You're calling us forward. That's why when you say lean in, I'm saying, let's get all that God has for us because there is something that we don't want to leave on the table because it's promised to us. So right here, I believe Jesus is coaching us, giving us foresight for what's in our future. He says this in chapter 16, verse 33. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But, somebody say but. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Simply what Jesus is saying right there is that I might not necessarily change all your circumstances, but what I'm doing is I'm changing your perspective as you walk through the circumstances. 
Listen, as I was reading the scripture and even writing this down, I was reminded, I'm the oldest of many siblings, and I remember when my brothers would come home and they would come back and say, hey, I was out with some friends and people started to pick on me, and, and uh, Mo, can you come down to the, to the park and help me? So being the big brother that I am, you know, I would show up, and back then I probably weighed about another five, ten pounds more. My neck was huge. I was walking around like this. And I would show up on the scene And what I would notice is that the circumstances were still the same. The same people that were around them when they came and told me, they were still there. But their countenance changed because they had a holy assistance with them. They had now peace with them because they knew that they were no longer subject to the circumstances, but they had power over the circumstances. I'm here to tell you that God wants you to know that as you're walking through these things that are going on, He's your holy assistance, and he has the peace on the inside of you that you can show up in any situation and still have that peace. Now, watch this as I make a turn. There's a peace that God desires for all of us to walk in that's totally illogical to the world standard. That's why when people look at Christians, a lot of times they'll say, well, you're a fanatic, you're this faith-filled person, because they don't understand how you can be going through the exact same thing they're going through, but you have a resolute peace on the inside of you. But what we need to understand is that this peace that Jesus provides, it gives us assistance in different areas. But let me show you what is this peace that Jesus provides. Number one, we have to walk with this peace with God, this peace with God. This peace with God that I'm talking about is one of God's greatest desires for our lives. And when I say it's one of God's greatest desires for our lives, it goes back to the principle of value. Many of you, you've either already bought gifts or you're incognito on Amazon trying to order gifts, especially if you're sitting next to your spouse, just keep looking straight. But what you know is that gifts are usually traded off for what you actually find value in. When you spend money on something, you spend a lot of money on something that you see a lot of value on. So the same thing happens with God. God said, I want my peace to be with you so much. I value your life so much that I'm going to send my greatest asset to you. I'm going to send the one who I love the most to you into this world. And what I want us to know is that sometimes we actually discount the sacrifice that God gave us. He's saying to us, I want you to have this peace. I want you to walk in this, and I actually will give you my all in order for you to have it. So when Isaiah is prophesying that the Messiah will come into into the world as the Prince of Peace, what we really have to understand is back then, there was only a covering of sin and not a cleansing of sin. Back in this day, what would happen is that people would give sacrifices never really knowing if they were really forgiven. They would go in and they would shed blood of animals and they would say, okay, I held my foot right this way or I turned over here this way, but I really don't know if I'm really forgiven or not. In this gift that I'm talking about, God said, hold on, I need to cut all of that. I'm going to now allow God in the form of Jesus to come into the earth and totally wash away your sins and take down the wall between me and you. So here it is. The truth that I want us to know is that the wall between you and God, the wall that made you actually have to work for peace is no longer there. Somebody say, I received the Lord's peace. And that peace is for me. 
Let me read the scripture to us because I want us to really grab this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22, it says this, For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he was reconciled to you himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That scripture is telling us that that's good news because no longer do we have to work for his peace, do we have to work for his fulfillment, do we have to work for that rest, but he's given us that rest. In more simple terms, in Romans chapter 5, it says it like this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I want you to hear this. The reason why so many people, even in this room today, can't find peace is because we don't rest in this truth. The reason why we suffer with anxiety, I know that chemical imbalance is real, depression is real, but a lot of times what we do is that we claim certain things as ours that shouldn't be ours. My anxiety, my depression, my bad times. And the Lord is saying, I didn't call you to take hold of that. I called you to release it because I've given you peace as a transfer. So here it is. As the, at the first Christmas celebration, the angels sung this out, and we talked about it in Luke chapter 2. It said, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What that's saying is that the qualification of having peace on earth is to have peace with God. The only way that you can actually activate peace when you get in the midst of a storm is if you first actually receive that peace from God. And let me say this, contrary to popular inclusivism, if you don't have God through Jesus, you can't have peace. If you don't have God through Jesus, you can't be at rest. You will always be searching for a little bit more. You will always be looking for another way to kind of get that peace. But God is saying, this peace that I give you, the world can't give you and the world can't take it away. So we need to accept this peace. Because when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to his peace. And in saying yes to the peace of God, we're now able to have peace with him and then also peace with a person. Look at somebody next to you and say, I want to have peace with you. Come on, you got your mask on. It's okay. I want to have peace with you. Here it is. If we are very honest, this year, can we really say that we've had peace with others? There's a lack of peace between black and whites. There's a lack of peace between Democrats and Republicans. There's a lack of peace between America and the police. There's a lack of peace between people who say mask or no mask. And y'all know it's gonna be a lack of peace in this season. Now it's gonna be vaccine or no vaccine. Some people are saying, it's the mark of the beast, don't do it. No matter what your beliefs are, here it is, we have to be able to fight for our peace with people. Because the ploy of the enemy is to get us to take each other out so he doesn't have to. 
Y'all didn't hear that. The ploy of the enemy is for him to get us to be contrary with each other so that he doesn't have to do it. What happens is that little things that really should be a disagreement ends up being things that people fall out of covenant for. And what we do is we continue to play into his hands and God is saying, hey, this peace is supposed to transfer not just with you, but you should be nice. People should know me because they see your peace. So as we walk through this, here it is. Let's make this really real. Some of you, you're happy that the CDC and all the doctors, they're kind of giving restrictions over Christmas gatherings this year. You're happy that your family has decided to do a Zoom connection instead of a personal connection because you didn't want to be around them anyway this year. Some of y'all are happy. You said, okay, I can put something on from the waist up for about 10 minutes and say hi and not have to drive to their house. No matter what we're looking at right here, God says, I want you to be able to live in peace with others. Write this scripture down because this is something I think we need to make sure that we rehearse, that we get, that we get in our spirits because we're going to be tried and our peace is going to be tried by people. In Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says this, bless those who persecute you. Somebody said, I don't know about that. (laughs) Bless those and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, meaning people that may not necessarily be of your social scale, people that might not look like you, people that might not even believe like you. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not just people like you. Right now, again, I told you there were going to be prophetic assistance right here. I need you to put somebody's name in your phone or put your name under your breath behind your mask and release the offense that's in your heart for them right now. Because as I'm praying, as I'm reading that, I can sense that things are going through our minds and we'll go through this week and we say we celebrate the Prince of Peace, but we're still holding grudges with people. Do not take revenge my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, I never got this, I never figured this out. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The reason I said I never got that because my flesh will say, I don't really want to treat them well. But God says he's calling us higher to make sure that we're not doing what our flesh feels, but we're doing what we need to do by his standard. Somebody say amen. Amen. So here's the thing. The reason why this is important because we have an entire world looking at you, 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 looking at me to see if this gospel is real, to see if this good news is real, to see if this commitment to come to church and to live as a disciple and to submit your life to Jesus is really worth it. But what we do many times, if we're honest, we fail to test because we think it's okay just to have peace with God when he's saying you have to stretch that out with other people. 
Here it is. Because the Prince of Peace is living with me, I can live with peace with all people. I need you to say this with me. Because the Prince of Peace is living with me, I can live with peace with all people. Some of y'all saying that real grudgingly and under compulsion. Say it with me. Because the Prince of Peace is living in me, I can live with peace with all people. So if we have this peace with God, if we get this peace with people, it allows us to translate that into peace with life. Peace with life. Remember the angel's declaration in Luke chapter 2. It says, peace to those whose God's favor rests on. Now, how many of y'all remember like I did when people were, it was real popular, everybody said, well, favor ain't fair. You know, I got this and I know, you know, I'm, I'm holy. Favor ain't fair. That turned, in, that turned from being something that was a positive affirmation to what I believe was actually a little subtle pride. It turned into being subtle pride and what some would call a humble brag. You're kind of trying to tell people all these good things, and you're really saying, you know, you don't have this because maybe you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. Here it is. Favor is not where you're looking down on somebody else because they didn't receive something. Favor should actually breed humility. When you understand favor for real, it should breed humility because it states a posture of an understanding that I only have what I have by the grace of God. This favor breeds humility that I have something and I do walk with an advantage because of the grace of God. So if you want to write this down, favor, the definition of a favor is to prefer, to treat with partiality, gaining special benefits. As a matter of fact, I want to take it another step further. Many people that know me know that I embody this like this. I believe favor is also a mindset. Favor is a mindset, meaning that I know that when I step on the scene, not because of what I can do, but when I step on the scene, I'm able to change things. When I step on the scene, the temperature changes. I'm a thermostat and not a thermometer. Because of the favor, because of the promise of God, because now I've accepted Jesus. You only have favor if you accept Jesus. Because of that favor, now I can walk in things that I wouldn't have been able to walk in before because Jesus is my help. So here's the last scripture that I want to give us. This is what I want us to meditate on for the rest of this week. I'm going to read it in two versions because I believe we all need to grab this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You've probably heard this scripture before, but I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to receive it, and I want us to embody it. The New Living Translation of Philippians 4 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now that was good, but I want you to really to grab this one. The message paraphrase, it says it like this. Don't fret or worry. Somebody just needs to say amen to that by itself. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Can I tell you something? If you're worried and you're just listing off the things that's wrong to God, those are not prayers. That's complaining. The scripture says, let your praises shape your worries into prayers. 
Letting God know your concerns. He's saying, be honest with, you, with me, but let me shape those concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I read that last part twice because I believe we need to grab it. We need to get it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you heard nothing else I said today, I want you to write this statement down. I want you to grab it and carry this with you for the rest of the week. And the statement that I want you to grab is this. Peace changes my posture. Peace changes my posture. What do I mean when I say peace changes our posture? If you follow me on social and you've heard me talk about it here recently, I've been playing a lot of golf lately. As a matter of fact, this past week I played with Pastor Todd. He's in the back and we had a good time playing golf this week. And as I started to play golf, what I've learned throughout this season is that golf gives a lot of analogies like life. And as I've been playing golf, what I learned is that I remember when I first started playing, I would go and I would approach golf like I approached all the other sports that I've played in my life. I'm used to playing a lot of sports that's high intensity, high movement, high exertion of energy. But when I started to play golf, what I realized was that that mentality was actually working against me. And I remember coming home one day after taking some lessons and I was talking to my wife and I said, man, you know, I, I can't hit my driver. You know, I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm this guy looking all strong and I step up on the tee box and everybody's hitting the ball past me. What am I going to do? And she did this simple thing. She said, Mo, I'm going to pray for you. I'm like, you're going to pray for me for golf. <laughs> but this is what she said. She said, Mo, I'm going to pray that golf moves from your head to your heart. I said, okay, it's worth a try. I can't do any worse. So what happened from that is I started to go to the golf course and I started to relax. Because just like I'm saying peace changes your posture, I started to go up on the tee box and I started to say, hey, I can't make this happen. A clue of a golf player will say, listen, when you have a golf club in your hand, you need to let the club do the work. And what I learned in that moment, I said, I have to start letting the club, the one that directs me, the one that allows me to get through the hazards, the one that I'm holding in my hand as something I want to share with other people, I have to let that club do the work. And when I started to let my peace change my posture, I started getting up there and now I'm hitting 300 yard drives. Now I'm on the golf course because now golf, just like life, has gotten out of my head and it's gone to my heart. And even when there are hazards around me because there's sand traps, there's trees, there's a narrow road to getting where I need to go. But what happens is that when I'm focused and I put my mind stayed on Jesus, when I'm focused and I'm at peace, now I can make it through all those hazards because I'm not worrying about what's around me. 
I'm worried about what's in me. I'm here to tell you right now, just like I learned in the game of golf, some of us need to let peace be our posture. You've been letting things overtake you, and God is saying, just relax. Do this with me. Come on. Do this with me. Just relax. You've been trying too hard. You've been in labor too long. You've been trying to force the issue, and God is saying, give it to me. Make room for me to come in and actually lead you. So right now, this is what I want to do. I want to let you know that peace is going to be what changes your posture in this new year. As you end 2020, don't hold on to what 2020 did for you, but move into 2021 with a new posture. Because here it is. This is the lesson that I learned. Peace is knowing that the outcome of the story can't go beyond the one who writes the story. Peace is you being at rest even when everything around you looks like a mess. So I want to pray for you right now. If you would just bow your heads. In this room, there are some people who you even came in this room and you said, okay, I hear this. You're talking about peace. But first, just like you said earlier, I need to accept Jesus into my heart so that I can actually have this peace. He's the Prince of Peace, but I need to receive him first. So if you're in here and you want to dedicate your life to Jesus, if you want to make him Lord and Savior, I want you, while every head is bowed, just to lift one of your hands up in the air. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put your hands down. With those hands that have been lifted, I want all of us right now just to pray and usher those who are in this room and those who are watching online. I want us to usher them into the presence of Jesus. So repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Lord Jesus, I've been stressing too long, and I've tried to do things my way. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so that I can have life, so that I can be forgiven, and I can walk in your abundant grace. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior, and that you are my peace. All over the room, still with those heads bowed, can you just lift your hands right now all over the room? Father, I pray right now over your people, and I declare peace is their portion. I declare, Father, we won't let the things that are happening to us dictate how we operate. And Father, we will walk around understanding that as you are the greater one in us, greater is you that you that, that is in greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you right now, Father, that we walk in your grace, we walk in your mercy, and we declare that we receive it now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Can you just stand on your feet for a minute? We're gonna leave here together in just a moment. Every year around Christmas, we take a moment to have this candlelight service. And this candlelight service for us represents the fact that we have the light of the world inside of us, but we don't want to just allow him to remain in us. We want to make sure we share with other people. So as I light this candle, we're going to take a moment, and we want to make sure that we share this same light with the people around us. So right now, the ushers are going to actually light your light, and then you're going to help and share with other people all around you. 
We're going to take a moment and we're going to sing and worship together, singing Silent Night. And while this might be a traditional song that you've heard before, when you see the lyrics on the, on the screen, I want you to engage in it. I want you to sing it because the Lord is bringing peace in the midst of storms in some of your lives today. So let's worship the Lord. Let's take this moment and let's get in sync with God's peace in Jesus' name.